Hey, today is uh, September 13th, and we're looking at Lesson 4, which is, uh, in it's not what you think, it's what you do, which is a uh, look at the Word and the scriptures behind the word keep or treasure. Let's open in prayer. Our Father, our King, we thank you that you do treasure us, that you protect us, that you guard us, that you guard us as a, uh, a thing of great price and value. Father, I thank you that you have... Uh, placed your love upon us and you have given us a clear understanding of, of what you have done for us, Father. When we, when we consider the work of Messiah on our behalf, it is very evident to us uh, that you love us. Father, we can't, e- can't even begin to imagine uh, the height, depth, and breadth of that love. And Father, we, uh, when we examine all of that, it, it simply reminds us that all our, although our responsibility is to fear you and to obey you, uh, Father, and to love you, uh, Lord, we also know that you have given us this responsibility to treasure you and f- treasure the things that you have said. We ask that you might open our eyes this morning as we look at this word and these scriptures and that you might speak from your word, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray here from... Uh, um, the complete Siddur. This is from the Bedtime Shema, and uh, although it doesn't necessarily focus on the word Shamar, it describes it describes uh, the Bedtime Shema is basically a it's a asking of God to guard over us, uh, guard over us while we sleep, to keep us, to protect us. And this is uh, this is the end of the Bedtime Shema. Master of the universe, who reigned before any form was created. At the time when his will brought all into being, then as king was his name proclaimed. After all has ceased to be, he, the awesome one, will reign alone. It is he who was, he who is, and he who shall remain in splendor. He is one. There is no second to compare to him, to declare his equal. Without beginning, without conclusion, he is the power and dominion. He is my God, my living redeemer, rock of my pain in time of distress. He is my banner and refuge for me, the portion in my cup on the day that I call. Into his hand I shall entrust my spirit when I go to sleep, and I shall awaken. With my spirit shall my body remain. The Lord is with me. I shall not fear. Uh, Looking at this word, uh, keep, or treasure, or in the Hebrew would be the word tamar, and uh, Genesis 18.19 uh, is a uh, an example of the use of the word, uh, and it uh, kind of gives us a kind of a heads up in the use of the English word keep. For I have known him, and he's speaking of Abraham, in order that he might command his children and his household over him after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. There's a whole lot of what appears to be cause and effect there. And uh, understand that uh, to keep the way of the Lord and to do righteousness and justice are not um, uh, sequential statements. They are, although you might sometimes think of it that way, they're not sequential statements, but they're parallel statements. Uh, This is one of the things that you discover as you look at Hebrew scriptures specifically and also in the apostolic scripture, knowing that the apostolic scriptures were written by Hebrew Hebrew speakers and thinkers, uh, that... uh, that in fact uh, there's a whole lot of parallelism. Uh, it is a it's very common. In fact, it has a technical name. Uh, you talk about chiastic 
chiastic poetry, and that is that parallelism. Uh, the Psalms are full of it. But if you look at Hebrew thought, it often does that. Whereas in, in Western thought, in English thought, what we do is to, com- to give a definition of something, what do we do? We provide a contrast. That guy's really tall. Look at that short guy next to him. You know, we provide a contrast. Uh, we we like to we like to show difference in order to show what something is, uh, and it's not that Hebrew doesn't do that as well because it does, uh, but oftentimes it's done by parallelism. That's the nature of a parable. A parable is to show the what's like, what's the what's the similitude of something. This is the way that it looks in the real world that you know that you do day by day, and that's what I'm talking about. Right? To, to compare something to what it shall, what shall it be likened to. Is, uh, is the way that you begin them often. For the last few weeks, we've been looking at here. Well, first of all, we've been looking at fear, and here, that is yare and then shema, and we saw that they weren't passive, but they were active. They're active. These are not thought things. Uh, oftentimes, as we, begin, as, as we begin the study, we talk about that. Oftentimes, what we like to do is we like to place our religion, our faith, our beliefs, within thought, within an agreement to a set of principles. Uh, that's the way that we do when we sign contracts. You agree, we even say that. You agree in principle to this item, whatever. Uh, not necessarily thinking through all of it, right? That's why I say, read the fine print. Not thinking through all of it, what it requires of you to do, right? Uh, that's the way Western thought is. Uh, what we have to be always aware of, and, and by the way, Hebrews are just as guilty of, of Western thought as, as uh, English speakers. Uh, what we need to understand is that the Bible way is, is not about thoughts. It's about doing. And that the doing can actually change your thoughts. Um, anybody that's got lots of practices will, will immediately recognize that doing has an effect on thinking. Um, so we saw that these are active things. These are things that you do. You fear has action involved. Here is action. It's not passive. Uh, we also learned last week about the love and that it's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Uh, we can love wrong things. We know that we can ro- love incorrectly and we also know that we can love correctly. And love has action. Uh, and uh, just a note real quick, and I have a note here. So as, as we've seen for, so far that although these action words do not provide salvation, they're significant because they reveal the true, uh, our true response to God's mercy upon us. Uh, we're not talking about working your way into God's favor when we talk about doing things. And that's the danger that people, that's why people shy away from the t- discussions of doing. Any congregation you go to, you're going to find this to be true. The minute you start saying, talking about doing something, everybody has to hold up the big sign in back of the pulpit that says, but don't really, right? Because, oh, you know, that you might think that somehow you're earning God's favor. I think that if people were less concerned with that, that you would find people living lives much more like God described, uh, if you're afraid of doing something to earn God's favor, then why weren't you afraid in all of life to do those things? Do you do things to earn the favor of your boss? Yeah. Do you do things to earn the favor of your spouse? Of course. Do you do it because you doubt that they love you or because if they, you don't do it, they won't? You won't have their favor? No. What you do is because you're responding. You're responding to their love for you or their respect for you, or their, or their trust in you. You're simply responding. Uh, 
Uh, so when you say earning favor, it, it sounds kind of bad, but that we, we absolutely do. Is it pleasing to God when people obey Him? Is it displeasing to Him when people don't obey Him? So if you obey Him, does it please Him? You know, I mean, if you want to obey Him, do you want to please Him? Yes. Why is that bad? But we do that. We raise the real red flag and go, oh, better not do this because somehow it'll be works-based salvation. Uh, we're not talking about works-based salvation. We're talking about we're talking about a response to a loving God who wants our good. And uh, treasure is a great example of that. Let's look at this. Shamar, and I've written it up here in, in Assyrian script, the block text. A sheen, a main, and a resh. Um, the English translation often uh, implies a simple uh, doing of something. Keep it. Just keep it. Um, uh, it, it often sounds a, a little bit like legalism when you use the word keep. Uh, for instance, uh, do you keep the Sabbath? Well, that, you know, the, you know, it's like, wow, you must, you must be really careful to make sure that you only you measure your salt ahead of time and uh, you tear off the toilet paper strips ahead of time so you don't tear anything. And you don't carry anything in your pockets when you go to congregation. You didn't drive to congregation. I mean, uh, pardon me. No, I'm not, believe me, I am, I am absolutely not making fun of any of those things, by the way. The point is that, that that's immediately the thing that people think about if they know anything about tradition, Jewish tradition, that, that they think about when you say keep, keep the Sabbath, well, right? I've spoken to a few and microphone. Yeah, well, sure, it's electric, sure, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about that because, uh, honestly, those, those imply a certain amount of treasuring uh, that should not be discounted. Uh, I'm not discounting that at all. The point is that immediately people think that you're Again, being legalistic, the word "keep" has that has that connotation. It does have that connotation, uh, but that's not what it means. That's not what the word means. The word picture, or one word picture, shows the consuming presence of God. The sheen, uh, the sheen, all, all, often often shows that exact picture. Uh, imagine a fire. It does look like fire, doesn't it? Actually, in the ancient script, it looked like a tooth, something that chewed something up. It's fire, or it's a consuming presence of God. So usually, what I, when I think of the sheen, I think of the altar in the temple, in the tabernacle. That's right. The pictograph, the sheen, is that consuming fire. Um, and uh, the men is usually involved with surrounding or action, or continuous action. Uh, so in that it says it says the consuming presence of God actively in motion guarding the head of man and the resh is almost always sometimes the resh is bad the resh is bad a lot of times in, in pictures and the reason why is because it, it implies pride so the resh is almost always the head of man because man raises his head in pride in this case of course God, God guards the humble so the consuming power of God actively guarding the head of man. And in fact, the first usage of the word shamar gives that same picture. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. Actually, go to... That's not the first usage. We're going to go to 2.15 2. in a second. We'll do that in a second. Uh, the first usage, however, the first usage is, actually one of them is, the, the carabine, carabine are one or two, 
you know, the pictures of the, the angel guarding the way to the tree of life. I love these things. It just cracked me up when I look at it and go, no, it's not an angel. <laughs> There's two of them, or at least two. Caribbean, uh, or Caribbean, guarding the way, guarding the way to the tree of life. Um, is with a flaming sword. That guarding. That's that's that picture of guarding. Uh, guarding the what? What is what is it that's good there? What's what are they guarding? Two things they're guarding. The, way. the tree of life and something else. The way. Man. They're keeping them separate. Why? That's good for now. That's good for now, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And, and that's a perfect example. Uh, George talks about how, how, the, how the, the levy were actually encamped around the tabernacle, and their area went all around the tabernacle, and they protected the sanctity of the tabernacle. The camp could come into the tabernacle, but only by going through the camp of levy first. So in that, they protected, they guarded the tabernacle's sanctity. They were the guardians of the tabernacle's sanctity. Why was that? Well, first of all, by the name Levi, they're those who are called to join the people to God, but also because they showed their loyalty to the Lord at the, after the golden calf incident, right? Where they stood on Moses' side and said, you know, we're with God. And ended up slaying their brethren who had, had sinned with the golden calf. So Levi was, was then given that task, that duty, that responsibility to be the buffer between the people and God. So they guarded God and the sanctity of the, of the tabernacle. Let is, let's go to that first usage, but before we do that, let's go to ex, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. We, we, have, talked about, we have talked about motivation for obeying God is love. We've talked about Shema, which is to obey him, which is to hear and obey, to heed, rather, is, is uh, we talked about that as a commandment. Um, we've talked about fearing as a motivation for obedience. But here in, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, uh, verse 13, it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. By the way, if you don't know, this is, this, this is your study topic for the upcoming Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Have fun. Like, how depressing a book do I have to study at the Feast of Joy? Uh, and I'm going to give you a hint. It's right here in this verse. If you start the book of Ecclesiastes here and then go back and read it all, it makes a big difference. Hear God and keep his commandments. That's the word shamar. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Wow, that's joy? Yeah, that's joy. Because the word keep doesn't just mean just do it it actually implies great value shamar to treasure it to treasure it go to ex genesis chapter 2:15 and this is the first usage of the word shamar and it gives us this picture of something of value um, what's in the garden of value first of all there's a couple things uh, just off the top of my head I can think of what's value but we I, I mentioned it just a second ago the Caribbean Caribbean guarding the the tree of the tree of life is of great value if you don't know it's not gone it's still there and it's still very very 
valuable. In fact, it's something very desirable. And we see it in the book of Revelation. It comes, it's, it's not back. It's always it never left. Uh, but it's a thing of great value. A thing of great value. In fact, the psalmist says that God's word is a tree of life to those who will take hold of it. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. That's the first usage of the word shamar, to keep. So, man was put in the garden to tend and to keep it. Uh, it's like a farmer, right? Is that? I mean, that's generally what we kind of get this picture of. But that's actually what, not what it's saying. To tend it, that's like the farmer part, you know, to cultivate it or whatever else. What's to keep it? To guard it. From what? You know, from what? I mean, nothing's going to get it, right? It's not like there was, you know, all this a hurricane about to come or anything like that, right? It wasn't like there were going to be weeds growing up and make it all ruined. It was good. He said it was good. Man couldn't add anything to it. Don't you hear this? Man could not add anything to the garden. It was good. It was complete. And yet God placed him in the garden to keep it, to shamar it. How did he do that? Or how was he supposed to do that? Because he didn't do it. (laughs) Let's move on. Um, this this uh, this theme of keeping goes all the way through Scripture. Uh, this theme of keeping the garden, keeping the garden. This task has not gone away. We still have this task, albeit greatly, greatly uh, diminished and 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 uh, perverted by man's sin. We still have this task, and I alluded to it. I alluded to it. When you die, where do you want to go? That's right. Absolutely. George says to be with the Lord. Where is he? I mean, wherever he is, right? I don't care, whatever that is. The point is, we get this whole picture in Scripture. And the reason why Scripture gives us this... this, uh, You know, you'd think that the the Bible would start with, with Moses, maybe, or with Abraham, and then go back and tell us how we got there, right? Kind of like we do in novels, you know, start with the climax, you know, or, or the point of great conflict, and then go back to the background, and then show how it's all resolved. That you think the Bible would do that? No, said the Bible starts with the, with where we were, and what we lost, and where we're going again, and where we were is where we're going, and that's why the word paradise is often used to describe it. We're going back to the garden. Wherever God is, is the garden, of course. But what's there? And in the book of Revelation, chapter 21-22, we see this tree of life. That's right. This tree of life, this mysterious tree of life. What is it? What's the tree of life? They eat it and live forever. That's what he said. They could eat it and live forever. In whatever state they were in, that's bad, right? They were in a sinful state. So this idea of keeping it is something that we continue to have. We still have this. We still have this. We have this duty to keep it. And it's between the covers here of this book. Right? This, this, this is all that we have left until we see it and taste of it, of the tree of life. This is the tree of life. Now, the, uh, the wooden ends to a Torah scroll are called the tree of life. Um, the purpose why man was placed in the garden he could have just been 
you know, take him to his dwelling place in heaven or whatever else. He created, he created the universe. He created the, the world. He created the earth. He created the garden in the midst of it. And then he placed man in it for a purpose. And the purpose was to keep the garden. To keep it. It's pretty amazing. You compare that to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. That's the duty of man. That's the duty of man. Adam's failure to keep, to shamar the tree of life, led to the Caribbean with a flaming sword to guard it instead. Go to chapter um, 3, verse 24. So he drove out the man. This is after he has, uh, he has called his sin out. He's seen it. It's been revealed. So he drove out the man and placed Caribbean at the east of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword, which would imply more than one, right? Because there's more than one angel there. Uh, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So he's, you didn't guard it, so he's placed someone else in, in, a, in a position to guard it. We get the same picture when we get the book of Hebrews. And it says the word of God is like a sword, right? What it, you know, that's like, okay, it divides between spirit and soul, that somehow it reveals our thoughts and intentions. Absolutely, that's exactly what it's talking about. But the idea is here that this is not simply, those are all metaphors for a real thing. Real angels, real sword, guarding the way to the tree of life. This is what we are supposed to get back to somehow. How do we get back to it? We've got to go through that sword, don't we? We've got to get past that, those, those angels with a sword. There's only one way. You're going to die. <laughs> right? There's only one way. You can't get past. You can't get past without death. And that's the picture. And in fact, that's exactly what Hebrews talks about when it talks about this. You're going to die. It's sacrificial language all throughout it. You're going to die. The question becomes, will you survive on the other side? And that, you know, that's the work of Messiah. What, is, what he has done for us is to be able to pass through the sword. Back to the garden, to the presence of God. Uh, so this picture of, of, of treasuring is, is, uh, is a powerful picture. And it's something that we see all the way through Scripture. Go to chapter... Uh, actually, we read uh, Genesis 26.15. There we saw that, that... Actually, go there again. Genesis chapter 26, verse 15. Here we see how Abraham responded to God. 2615. Uh, that's not it. Now the Philistines have stopped all the wells. No, that's not it. <laughs> What's the scripture at the top here? 265. Thank you. Actually, that wasn't the same one. Thanks. That's it. Because Abraham obeyed my voice. My reference up here was wrong. No, it isn't. It's actually talking about the same thing. That's right. Okay, uh, Genesis chapter 26, 5. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge. There it is again. That is Shemar. Kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Which ones did Abraham know? If you look on this, is Genesis chapter 26. Uh, at least 400 and probably 15, 20 years before Sinai, right? people like to play these dispensational games which I, I would caution just don't even go there because the problem is you start playing that game and you'll never end you know there's many dispensations within many dispensations within many dispensations uh, 
Let me instead tell you, well, first of all, the Sabbath is given at Sinai in chapter 20 of Exodus, right? No? It was given in, in Genesis. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, the, and, and God rested on the Sabbath and declared it holy. And in fact, the commandments in Exodus regarding the Sabbath, it repeats the creation story. Why the Sabbath should be guarded. So you think Abraham kept the Sabbath? <laughs> Without question. Without question. Um, and besides, it was given before Exodus 20 anyway. It was given in Exodus 16 when the manna fell. So playing the dispensational game of trying to say, well, God said it and it wasn't really in effect yet. It's like, uh, what did Abraham know? He knew a whole lot more than you think he did. He did. A whole lot more than any of us think he did. Why do we know that? Because when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, what does it speak about with Abraham? That he actually somehow knew about Messiah. How? You know, well, God doesn't tell us everything. He tells the narrative and he tells us to trust him. And when it says, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws, we can say, okay, he did. At least we know that he did whatever God told him to do. Right? That's a whole lot better than we can usually say about ourselves. He, he obeyed my voice, and by the way, that's Shema, and kept, and kept my charge. He shamarred it. He, he, he treasured it. And what was the outcome of that? Go back up to verse 4. Speaking to Isaac, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. If you are a Jew or a Gentile, you can thank God every day, as you should, that Abraham kept, that he shimmered the commandments of God. Because God used that obedience, that attitude and action to in fact bless you. That's why, that's why we talk about the merit of the patriarchs, the merit of the fathers. It's because, you know, God placed his love upon them. He made promises to them. They responded, and we're the beneficiaries. How good a deal is that? God also gave his blessings. He never put a limit on it. No. That's right. That's exactly right. His blessings are without, without a limit without a duration that's exactly right uh, he often makes the point of saying they're eternal um, it, it, we we are in fact given this uh, imagine now you in the long chain of whatever your family line is right how's that for a purpose for your life that you can affect by obeying by treasuring him and by treasuring his word you can affect generations that follow you. I mean, look, look what one man, Abraham, because of his love for God and his treasuring of what God said, was able to accomplish. Obviously, he didn't do it. God did it. But he, he was like that one link, right? That one link to the garden. Noah, we could say the same thing. You know, if they hadn't been there, now I don't like to play the what if game because it doesn't exist. But the point is, if they hadn't been there, we don't have the we don't have the story, we don't have the promises. You are that link in your family line. The thing arose 
That's right. That's right. Well, in the same in the same sense, that's one of, why one of the greatest commandments is to honor your father and mother. That's exactly why. God's provision for you has come in those who came before you, and now you have the duty, not only to Him, which is your primary. You have the duty to those who will follow after you. If you don't have a line following after you, you still have a duty to those who will follow after you spiritually, without question. There are those that you interact with throughout your life that are, that are going to have, they're like spiritual children or descendants. Uh, and you have that duty. You have that duty. And here we see that Abraham kept that duty. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want, to, I want to talk, while, we're, while you're looking this up, I want to talk a little bit about what I talked about, the negative connotations that word keep. Uh, you might look at that tearing of the paper, the, the toilet paper in advance of the Sabbath and go, wow, what a burden that is and, 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 and how, you know, how narrow-minded, how, how legalistic that seems. Uh, they don't even drive. I mean, they walk. You know, how, how exhausting is that on the Sabbath? How restful is that? They, instead of driving, you know, people won't drive. Uh, or they wear those funny black hats and black suits, you know. Or the women don't dress in colorful clothes and they have their hair covered, you know. That, you know, that doesn't seem to be... And, and let me give you a caution about that. Those are the fences around the garden. If you love something, if you treasure it, don't you protect it? You do. It's true. Sometimes the fences can get really tall and obscure the garden from view. But don't be so quick to condemn that. Because what it implies, and I'm not saying it's always true in everybody's life, but what it implies is they find something of such incredible value that they desire to protect it. Sometimes at the expense of being made fun of, at being treated as if they're different or weird. You know, you think about our lives. And I'm not saying that you're not treated weird sometimes, because I know we all are. <laughs> but think about that. How much are you willing to be treated as different or weird because you value something so much that you place a fence around it? Because you, because you love it, because you treasure it, and in fact, and I'm not telling you all to go out and buy black hat, although that's fine. The point is, you need to you need to be very cautious in how you look at other people's traditions, specifically traditions. Now, some traditions are wrong, but specifically traditions that are designed to protect the very words of the living God that give life. Hmm. That's right. We talked about that last week. Don't hate what is good. Telling good evil and evil good. You know. Um, uh, I, I tell you what. I look at. I look at a lot of that. Even though I may not participate in a lot of that, I look at a lot of that. If I know where it came from, and I know it's designed to protect, I respect it, and we should. 
I respect it because it, it shows me that somewhere in the process of developing that tradition, someone considered it to be so valuable that they didn't want to encroach or to step across the line and in fact show a disregard for the words of God. How much more how much better is that than the callous view well you know I was like sometimes I do sometimes I don't just anyway I want to clarify because I didn't want anybody to think I was thinking negatively but that is that you know that's that negative view of keep we need to discard it shows a treasuring it shows a, a special appreciation for it Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 15 uh, see, I have set before you, God is, God is speaking through Moses. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep, that is Shamar, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. There's a, there's a promise, you know. Uh, Psalm 119, 17. Psalm 119 uses the word a lot. Psalm 119, verse 17 says, and this is in the uh, in the uh, group of eight verses named for Gimel, the the Hebrew letter Gimel, which is in, in, implies bounty or or great wealth or great great. Uh, uh, good things. In fact, that's the word. It starts off in verse 17. Deal bountifully with your servant. Verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see your wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. And then verse uh, uh, 17. Actually, I, was, I should have gone back up. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Keep your word. Heap on me blessings so that I can keep your word. So that I can guard it. That I can treasure it I can treasure it um, in, in some places especially in, in more, more uh, traditional Jewish homes uh, a, a book that contains God's name is treated with a special reverence you don't put other books on top of it uh, if you put it into a bookshelf it has to go neatly into the bookshelf in fact, uh, if it contains God's name, uh, one should wash one's hands before opening it. That's, I mean, again, we're talking about traditions that, that show a deep reverence for what God has said. Good traditions. Good traditions, absolutely. The tradition for dashes in the, in the, in the word God on my sheets of paper are that same tradition. Because we treat with reverence even of English reference, even not even his name, just a reference to him, right? And so you know that when you're done with a piece of paper, this is Rick's piece of paper, you can throw it away, <laughs> right? Whereas if I didn't do that, I would be telling you, don't throw this away, don't treat it callously. Um, if you have a bulletin, sometimes the bulletin doesn't put dashes in. I take the bulletins that don't have, and I and I fold them up and I put them neatly. Uh, I don't know what happens to them, but I know at least as far as I'm concerned, I have not treated it callousness. Okay? Why? Little thing. Little tradition. Again, that's not a commandment. But it's a little tradition that remembers that everything that God has said has value and should be treated with reverence. And that's, what, and that's exactly what, what, uh, what David is speaking about here. Go to uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. 
the use of the word Hashem in place of the four letters has additional additional traditional meaning. There's there's far more to that than just simply treating it with reverence. But that is one one offshoot from that. And when you read it, that's why people when they read Hashem, sometimes they'll read Hashem, sometimes they'll insert the English word Lord. And that's that is simply to uh, allow you again, that allows you to treat that piece of paper as if it's just a piece of paper. Uh, go to chapter uh, 9 verse 4 of Daniel. It says, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him, with those who keep His commandments. He keeps, He keeps, He guards His covenant. Why? Hey, listen, God is bound by His word. He's bound by His name. God will never go back on His promises. He will always keep His covenant, keep it in the sense of doing it. But you understand the word shamar there implies something more. He treasures it. It's extremely valuable to Him. Not just because He can't go back on His word, which He can't. Not just because He's bound to it. Oh, I have to do it. It implies an attitude. He keeps it because he treasures it. They didn't treasure it. That's right. And in that, that it's in just, okay, well, I said I would, so I will. Is that the way you treat contracts? I mean, we do treat contracts that way. Well, I said I'd do it. I guess I have to do it. Right? That's not the word shamar. The word shamar says, first of all, when you agree, as God did, he wants to. And when you keep it, in spite of the other person's breach, you still value it. It's, you still treasure it and guard it. Absolutely. Love, love, love Abraham and loves us. Absolutely. Go to uh, Hosea chapter 12, verse 6. The word observe here in, in my translation is the word shamar. So you, by the help of your God, return. That is, uh, if you did our Matthew study, that's the word uh, that comes, that is the, the noun of teshuvah, repentance. That's repent, is, is what that word says. So, by, so you, by the help of your God, return, repent, observe, shamar, mercy, guard it, keep it. This is something lost on a lot of people who discover the commandments of God is they suddenly start pointing their finger at other people that aren't, in their view, keeping them or obeying them and start lacking in the very mercy that the commandments command them to observe. Mercy is a commandment of the Almighty God to show mercy. And that doesn't mean just say, well... Lord, show me mercy, and I've kept the commandment. <laughs> no, it's you showing mercy. Yeshua's ministry is just replete with this concept. That if you think that you could receive mercy from a righteous, holy God, and yet still do not extend that same mercy to others who have sinned against you, or just in your view don't measure up, you are really sadly misunderstanding the word mercy. So, Observe mercy and justice and wait on God continually. Uh, Go to Isaiah 56.1 real quick. 
Thus says the Lord, Keep, and that is Shemar, Keep justice and do, Asah, just do it, right? Keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. This is, a, this is an invitation to repentance, uh, something we should live with. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold of it, who keeps Shamar from defiling the Sabbath, and keeps Shamar, his hand from doing any evil. Negative commandments, it's easy to say, well, I just won't do that. But think about it, to Shamar it, to treasure that, thank you very much, to treasure that involves a little bit of emotional investment, does it not? You can say, well, I just won't do it. You know, I won't even look that way. But then to think about that temptation to say, and I treasure that. And I treasure that. I, I wear Z-Seed, as you know. And one of the things that I do as I, as I walk through life with Z-Seed on, if I, uh, from a distance, and I'm not speaking just for myself, this is an experience many men probably, probably can relate to. If I see, from a distance, see a woman who is dressed inappropriately, I turn away, look away, and then I silently say to myself, Father, thank you that I have zitzit on. Because they're supposed to remind me. Thank you. So it, it's, it's, it's a way of not just shunning evil, but treasuring the very command that tells you to shun evil. Right? It's that, that guarding is, is a... Is a uh, it, it, there's an emotional connection. It's not just a rigid, cold, as some see people would say, a rigid, cold obedience. Uh, the apostolic scriptures go to Luke chapter 11, verse 21. Luke, um, most people would say Luke was not Jewish. Um, I, I don't agree with that, but most people would say Luke is not Jewish. But most certainly Luke, uh, based on the the evidence and the construction of the books that he authored or that he penned uh, was a Hebrew thinker well well versed in Hebrew thought Luke chapter 11 verse 28 so he would have certainly been uh, using a word in his conversation that would have included uh, this concept of Shamar more but regardless this is Yeshua speaking and he certainly would have been using it but he said more than that blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it Shamar it Hear it, obey it, and treasure it. Guard it. Treasure it. Guard it. Go to chapter 17. Pardon me? Uh, no, it's, it's, that was, here is obey, yes. Shema. Yeah, Shema is obey, yeah. I mean, it's hear and obey. It doesn't, there's, there's, there's no two different words used there. Uh, sometimes in the Greek you have to repeat yourself. Uh, chapter 17 of, of John. John 17. Sorry, John 17, verse 12. This is Yeshua praying after his last Seder. He's praying for us. While I was away, excuse me, verse 17, verse 12, yeah. While I was with them in the world, speaking of, speaking of his disciples, I kept them in your name. I treasured them. I guarded them in your name. Those whom you, have, who you, whom you gave me, I have kept. I shamarred them. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. Uh, go, go to Acts chapter 21 verse 24 you know Paul that famous guy who overturned the law apparently people didn't read Acts, chap, Acts at all Acts chapter 21 verse 24 
I'm glad he didn't, because if he did, there's a whole lot of my Bible I'd actually tear out. Uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 24 says, Take them, and be pure. This is, this is, uh, this is uh, Yaakov, James, who's, in the, who's an elder in the congregation in Jerusalem, speaking to Paul, as Paul's visiting Jerusalem for Shavuot, and speaking to him in regard to some rumors that had been spoken about him. Rumors that actually implied that he was, he was a pretty lousy Jew. Uh, and so he's saying, look, here's a way that you can convince everybody you're, you're, you're still who you say you were all along. Okay? Take them, he's talking about four men who had given a vow, be purified of Nazarite vow, be purified with them, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that they may know that those uh, things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing and that you yourself walk orderly and keep the law. Yaakov, not James, Yaakov, would have been speaking Hebrew, or Aramaic at the very least. Hebrew. And so he's using the word shamar. That you shamar the law. In fact, when we look later on in Acts, Acts chapter 28, Paul says it himself. I've kept, actually not just the law, I've kept the traditions of, 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 of the elders even. Um, go to Jude chapter 24 or excuse me Jude yeah there's no chapter Jude verse 24 and then we'll close with this we, we all fail <laughs> you know it's hard to connect sometimes it's hard to connect well first of all you can't connect if you don't love right that's why we're doing these in order but it's hard to connect sometimes to God who's transcendent he's over it all you know you don't see him it's hard sometimes to connect in that regard if you're not careful. So sometimes, like, you know, that's, wh- that's why sin creeps into our lives. It's not ever before us. You know, one of the guards of sin is to remember there's an eye that sees and a hand that records all in a book. The idea that, the idea that you know, he's so far away. And then the remembrance, though, that he is not far away that he does care about and he's close by verse 24 now to him who is able is he is he infinitely able yes able to keep you to guard you think about the times when you failed when you sinned you gave in to temptation do you know how many infinite number of times that you didn't and you didn't even know it because he's guarding he's guarding us he treasures us he's guarding us he wants to keep us from these sins to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless the work of Messiah is the work of guarding to present me faultless I can promise I'm not faultless but he's going to present me faultless because he treasures me to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy Let's, let's close in prayer Father thank you that you do treasure us we know that it is because of your great love for us that even though you know us even better than we know ourselves that you still are still in love with us Father we ask that you might teach us how that same love and that same treasuring that same guarding that you uh, give to us, Father, that we may draw from that, that we may guard you, that we may guard you, that we may treasure your words as good and precious all the time. Guard us from sin. 
Father, as we guard your words. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.